You are Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Nick Fairby, right for Pittsburgh Sports Now. Call games at W. PTS radio station, and I am a production assistant at ACC Network. And folks, today it's all about the offense on the day. Folks, what did the offense showcase against Duke that was promising? What about the running back rotation? How should that work out? And how about those young receivers? What are they doing to showcase that they might be okay without Jalen Barn and Taysir Mack? All of that coming up on Locked on Pit. All right, folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pit Panthers. And I think to lead off this show, we got to talk about the running back rotation. And as always, I do before we do that, I do want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pit your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. Leave a five-star review. Do all that good stuff. Keep the support flowing in. The numbers are just getting crazy at this point. I'm, I'm so, so blessed to have all that support that you guys give me. But let's talk about this running back rotation for Pitt because I think this has been a hot topic for Pitt fans uh, over the past few weeks. And, you know, the emergence of Rodney Hammond has certainly thrown, I think, a wrench into what Pitt planned. I, I don't think that Pitt planned for Rodney Hammond to be this good this early. And this is the thing. I don't think Hammond is necessarily great all around. I think that's something you have to put into consideration when we're talking about Rodney Hammond, say, in a starting role or an increased role. You also have to say, is this guy going to be a high-level player, not just in the running game, but we also have to put him in the passing game? And more importantly as well, we also have to put him in there for pass protection. And is that going to be something that Ronnie Hammond can do? I don't know. We haven't seen him do that. We haven't seen him do much of that. And that's the thing with Hammond is you don't know what he can do because he's been the closer. He's been the slammer. He's been a guy that has come in and really only run the football. So how good is he outside of just running the football? He's a very good runner of the football. It's clear to see what a talented runner of the football he is. He makes great cuts. He's got great vision. He's physical for his size. He's decisive. He's got great contact balance. He is good as a runner, but is he good otherwise? If he's not, how can you trust him outside of that? It's a, It's got to be a limited role, right? Clearly, as a runner, he's a stud, but he might need that extra year to, to get over the hump, if you will, and, and get to that next point where you're like, okay, he's a complete back, kind of like Izzy this year. I think Izzy was a talented back last year. We saw kind of flashes of Izzy and, and how good he looked last year as well. But he never truly put it together because he wasn't good enough in the other areas. He's improved this year as a pass catcher. He's much improved as a pass protector. Now, Izzy isn't perfect in that area either. But I think when you look at what Izzy will bring to your team, this guy has probably the best vision on the team. He's very, very weird. You know, this guy, he's a track star athlete coming out of New York. And that was the thing, the speed. And you see the speed because... There's no other pit running back that can beat guys to the edge and make something out of nothing quite like Izzy can. 
And Izzy Abanikanda is special in that way, the way he can bounce things outside and kind of read the flow of the defense and kill angles in that regard. But also when you just look at how he sets up his blocks, no one sets up his blocks better or works off their blocks better than Izzy in this offense. His ability to run in between the tackles, bounce it outside, run with a physical nature to him, but also read those blocks, set up defenders at the second level, press the line to bait them into the linemen and, and get doing his job. You know, great lateral agility on top of the explosiveness. He's a guy that has the long speed to hit the big home run. And he's also a guy that clearly now has also showcased the ability to have great hands. He's a guy that is straight up just playing at a high level. And you look at Izzy, and that's the thing that you love about him. Now, that doesn't mean he's devoid of, you know, criticism. He certainly is. I think he still lacks the ability at times to identify the most dangerous rusher. And he'll miss... Some pass rushers at times. We saw that in the Clemson game. He gave up a few sacks. He gave up one against Miami as well. Um, you kind of look at Izzy, and, and that's something that he has to improve upon. But overall, that guy's play has just gone up, 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 and up. And that's the huge thing for Izzy. But he also runs a little too high, which is going to be prone to getting hit hard. Now, he can lower that center of gravity when he's anticipating contact. But you always can't do that when you're running back. He's smart with the ball. I think he's good with it. I think he knows how to be a high-level runner in space. But again, that running too high can lead you to fumbles. It can lead you to injuries. There are things that that can hurt you with. But he's a guy that does play at a high level. And here's the thing. And what we're going to talk about Vincent Davis. Izzy's clearly the running back one. I think as runners, I think it's Izzy one, Hammond two. But as all-around backs, and I, I think people need to start to realize this, Vincent Davis has a role on this team. Like, people that don't want him to play at all, I think are completely wrong. Vincent Davis is quick. He runs hard, 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 hard. I get it. He doesn't always fall forward. He's 5'8", 170. It's the nature of it. He's 5'8", 170. He's got dependable vision for the most part. And he's a guy that runs really tough yards and has gotten a numerous, numerous conversions in short yardage areas. So when I hear people saying, why did Vincent Davis run that ball out of the goal line? Like, why did he do it? It's The reason is he's been dependable in those areas. He's been extremely decisive. He's been able to fall forward and move the pile a little bit and follow his blockers. On that play, I think it was more so about his execution. I didn't hate the personnel usage. And that's the thing. I don't hate that. I get it. He's 5'8", 170. He's not the guy that you would coincidentally usually put in there. But Hammond, he's a young guy and inexperienced, and he misses some holes at times. Izzy, yeah, you can make a good argument Izzy should have been in there. But Vincent Davis has been dependable in that role all year in the short yardage game. He just missed the he missed his blocks. Zubovich and Warren had opened that side up completely. He ran to the left of Daniel Carter. If he runs inside on his right hip, he gets up the field and probably gets eight to nine yards. And we aren't even talking about this. Vincent Davis is still a high-level back who's solid pass catcher and a really good pass protector. Now, that doesn't mean he should play as much as he does, necessarily. I don't agree with that either. I, don't, I think they overuse him a bit. I think Izzy should play a lot more. I would love to see them, instead of, you know, just switching series, I would love to see them switch running backs during series. They don't do that a lot. I would like to see them get Hammond in there a little bit more and sprinkle him on top of it. But I think that they need to make this a true three-man rotation instead of a two-man and switch every series where we don't have any gray area. We don't take out Vince on these downs or we don't take Izzy out on these downs. We just keep going and they, we just exchange them for series. 
I think that's pretty foolish of them. I think they can use their personnel better in that area. I certainly also think that they can run Davis outside more and get him into space where he's better instead of running him between the tackles all the time where he can't use his quickness as well because he just has to free essentially dive into the pile and try to get yards because he's not in between the tackles running. So there's personnel uses you can criticize. I don't know if I would criticize the safety. I kind of thought it was actually a decent call. And I think Davis has been dependable in that area this year. He just didn't read the get the right read on that. And I think that's an execution standpoint. But again, the running back rotation has to be figured out. You would like to see Izzy more. You would like to see them switch on different series. You wouldn't like to just pick them out and say, this series is Vince, this series is Izzy, this series is Rodney. No, you don't need to do that. You can interchange them as you see for different situations. So that's the biggest thing about this running back rotation. All right, folks. Let's talk a little bit about these receivers. How did they look without Taysier Mack, Jalen Barn, and Mel Keith Stovall on Saturday? What I thought of their play. But first, I want to let you know about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will too. Prize Picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world, and they offer all the star players as well as the mid-major players you may have never even heard of. So, folks, you can put down a prop on your on Jordan Addison's yards, touchdowns. You can even do it on rushing yards. Whatever you might want to do, Kenny Pickett's interceptions thrown, whatever you might want to do, you can throw down a prop on those. So, folks, you will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 if you use our promo code, and that promo code is locked on. Again, a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 if you just use our promo code locked on. All you have to do is pick two to five players and over under on those projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers. You can also do mixed sport entries if you so wish. So don't hesitate. Check out prospects.com. Use the promo code locked on to receive that 100% instant deposit matchup to $100 or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. folks welcome back to the locked on pit podcast as always thank you for making the locked on pit podcast your first listen every day let's talk about this pit wide receiving core so boy the injuries mounted in this receiving room extremely quickly they came down extremely hard not only did pit miss jalen barden and Taysir Mack, as we expected. We expected those two to be out, and it doesn't sound very good for either of them, to be quite honest with you. I don't know if Jalen Barton or Melky, uh sorry, not Melky Stowell, um, Taysir Mack will be back this year, maybe for the bowl game, but man, I'm not optimistic that they will be back for the regular season for this key stretch. Melky Stovall also was out. He traveled, which made me think game time decision type of deal with him so I think Melky Stovall will be okay to play this week against UNC and if not here at least I believe he will be available against Virginia so I think Melky Stovall will be okay might miss another game you hope he doesn't um, but Melky Stovall is a guy that they need but still this receiving core played decently well without those two I'll tell you what man Jordan Addison did his thing and there's no surprise there. Jordan Addison is phenomenal. He's taken his game from good to great. And we can talk about Jordan Addison this offseason. I'll probably do a whole profile on him uh, at later. Um, but, man, this guy played at such a high level 
that when you look at what he does, unbelievable what he has done this year. His route running, his ability after the catch, everything. His football IQ, far ahead of his of his level right now, and he's just playing at a high level. He'll be a high draft pick next year. I can already certainly tell you that fact. Jared Wayne has stepped up in a big way as well. I think Jared Wayne continues to look like a dude, a, a legit player. Strong grip hands. I know he had a drop. That's like his first drop all year. Just vice grip hands from this guy. Goes up, will make the combat catches, knows where to settle in zones. He's a little shifty after the catch. He's a little bit more shifty than you would think he would be. That dude can really actually move side to side. He's quick. Um, and, and that's the thing. You love that. You love to see that. And another thing that I also looked at when you kind of watch Jared Wayne is how deceptive he is in his routes for his size. You know, he looks up to Chase Claypool. He plays bully ball when he needs to, but he's also got a little finesse in him. And I like that. He's a big guy that can do little guy things. I think I've said that before uh, on here that that's kind of what Wayne is. He can play bully ball, but he can also get a little small with you, and I like that about him. But the real story of this is the other guys. Um, Jane Bradley, you know, the fumble, yeah, what else are you going to do on the fumble? I mean, he had it pretty well protected. He had it in the right hand. It really was just an unlucky fumble, and sometimes you have those in, in football. You know, sometimes football is a luck-based game at times, and sometimes there are things you, that are out of your control and you can't do. I feel like that's one of those things for Bradley. He had a little bit of an experience, you know, Maybe not running as crisp routes as he could. Playing a little too fast for, for his own good. You know, Jaden Bradley looks talented though, man. He really does. He looks like he has all the athleticism. He looks like he has that combat catchability. He looks like a talented football player. This is a guy that I think has a really high ceiling. Special, special, special athleticism for his size as well. And the route tree he already has is pretty expansive. So when you are Brendan Marion, you just need to focus on honing in on that and developing what Jane Bradley can do because, man, this guy is a talented football player. You can tell the talent's there. I don't know if he's going to be ready this year to contribute at a high level yet. He's going to have to probably contribute uh, to a degree, but he's looking solid. I'll say this. Shockey Jacques-Louis deserves all the credit in the world. What a game for Shockey Jacques-Louis. This might have been, you know, overall looking at this, this may have been Shockey Jacques-Louis' best game as a Pitt Panther. And I mean that. Literally, all you look through all of his games, this might be the best one that I've ever seen Shockey Jack Louis play. Numerous catches on the sideline, just, you know, the toe tappers, especially, especially impressive games from Shockey Jacques Louis. I mean, th this dude, you know, the one catch was it a catch. It. You can debate it, um, but man, he made numerous tough catches. He made a few nice moves after the catch. Shockey Jacques Louis was so dependable in this game. And they needed him to be. They needed another weapon. He stepped up to be that other guy. And he was so dependable for Pickett. Pickett, you could see the trust growing between him and Shockey Jacques-Louis. You know, Shockey Jacques-Louis has so much potential. And he's had it for years. And it was obvious, man, this guy could be something. And he never had gripped that ability. But it looked like things could fall off the rails this year. You know, as he lost more playing time. And as he wasn't getting the opportunities. As he started to play even worse. Stepping up like this and in that situation when the team needs you the most, that's that's a sign of a perseverance type of story right there for Shockey Jacques Louis. What a what a day for him. I'm very impressed with what we saw from Shockey Jacques Louis. You know, they also play a little bit of Varzell, Tipton, Garrett Thompson. Um we saw those guys as well. Um, but 
nothing really crazy there. Again, you hope you get Stovall back. You need him. Um, but there, there are some really good signs here. With the way Shaka Shakalui played, with the talent you clearly have in, in Wayne and Addison, and then also Bradley's raw talent, there's good things here. But the tight end position also, you know, Gavin Bartholomew looks like a guy that's going to go to the league in a few years here. I mean, he looks that good. Gavin Bartholomew is really good. You hope he's he's healthy and able to play. Lucas Kroll, you know, the, the drops are becoming a pretty big issue. But he's still a guy that takes attention away over the middle of the field. He's athletic. You know, he's able to move in and out of his routes. He's still a mismatch, a high-end a high end red zone threat. So, you know, Lucas Kroll, maybe he's not, you know, an elite talent. But he's certainly a guy that presents matchup problems and issues for defenses. And they clearly focus on him. He draws attention away from other guys and allows them to be open because teams do, are threatened by Lucas Crawl. And I think that's also something to kind of note is that, hey, Crawl is still a threat to defenses. They 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 respect Lucas Crawl and his ability as well. All right, folks, the receivers played well. I want to talk a little bit of Pitt men's basketball. Obviously, they play the Citadel tonight, and there's been a few situations around Pitt men's basketball over the past few weeks, kind of what's going on there, what can we expect from Jeff Capel, and company. However, first I want to let you know about betonline.ag. They are back and better than ever, and with the basketball season starting up, they have a new web interface with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So just head over to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus. Again, that's our promo code locked on to receive that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. Bet online where the game starts. Alright folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast. We let's talk about Pit men's basketball. You know, we're getting to that part of the season where this is gonna get a little bit hectic with football and obviously basketball, but football obviously the main storyline right now. But Pit men's basketball is starting up and they face the Citadel tonight. And and I do want to talk a little bit about kind of the expectations to expect with this team and this game more so. When you look at kind of what Pitt is bringing to the table, man, they are thin in the front court. I mean, wow. I knew that they were going to be thin the entire year. But this thing, I mean, they are dangerously thin in terms of who they have available to them. With the news that Ithiel Horton was arrested on Southside after an altercation with a police officer. He's now been suspended indefinitely from the program until that's resolved. Preliminary hearing on November 18th. So you hope that that can get resolved earlier than John Hughley said. Again, Hughley missed the rest of the season after his run-in with the law last year. What's the timeline for Ithiel Horton? We'll have to see. Jamarius Burton will not play in this game. Jeff Capel said that he's still day-to-day with that men- after coming off meniscus surgery. Has had no contact yet, but he's getting there. So it's clear that he's going to be close I don't expect him to play really maybe until next week against UNC Wilmington at the earliest but we'll see how that kind of works out I don't expect to see him down in Morgantown either on Friday uh, to be quite honest with you I think that Pitt when you look at what's coming into everything here for them with the Nike Sabande news that he tore his ACL 
They have nine scholarship players available for tomorrow. With no Horton, no Burton, and no Sabande, they have nine scholarship players available. And you look at who's going to play the two now. I mean, who is going to play the two? It's going to be Femi obviously playing the one, being the point guard, and Onye Azeakudo coming, the walk-on, playing backup. Are they going to have Onye Azeakudo and Femi on the court at the same time? Maybe. But also... We're going to see a lot of time, I think, for guys like Nate Santos, who is also a guy who hasn't played a ton of basketball. You know, none at this level, but also even at the, the you know the high school level, torn ACL, COVID year. You know, a lot of things have happened with Nate Santos to where he hasn't played a ton of basketball. He's a 20-year-old freshman, and he hasn't played a ton of basketball. And he's talented. He's got a sweet stroke. He's got that three ball, I think, that, that looks really promising. But is he ready to play? I don't know. I don't know, but he's going to have to play. And that's the more important thing. He's going to have to play, and so is Will Jeffers. He's going to have to move to the two. Might have to guard some quicker guys at the two position. You know, kind of, you thought he was going to be the main wing, maybe playing at the three a lot more. He's probably going to have to play the two a lot more. And he's going to have to, you know, get new assignments. That's going to change the way he does defensively. He's going to have to be huge. He's going to have to be ready to play at a high level. And that's the thing. I mean, you look at what Pitt is going to do in this game, and... Listen, it's a tempo-based game because the Citadel loves to push the tempo, and the Citadel is going to test them defensively, and they're going to not have a ton of guys in the front court. Um, we know that, you know, with the Citadel, they like to go backcourt heavy, and that's the interesting thing with their style as well. They will shoot a three ball a lot. They'll try to get after it. Pitt, on the other hand, very, very, very thin in their backcourt. You know, Mo Guillet might have to play the three. I mean that's the situation we're at here with this pit, with this pit backcourt. It's gonna affect the front court and who plays. Like who's gonna if Mo Gaye has to play the three, which is possible. You know it could be Femi, Jeffress, Gaye, Hughley, Oladapo maybe. Um, you know Peyton, how much is he gonna play? Where where is he gonna sit into the rotation? It's gonna be interesting to see how they use this uh, injury to kind of mix up the units. You know are they gonna see Max and Mudison? Who's going to play where and, and how is it going to affect everyone? It's going to be very interesting. Obviously, the expectations aren't going to be that high. This is a new team that's, you know, just hoping to really improve over the year. I mean, really, that's the thing. You want to see them improve over the year because under Jeff Capel, turmoil has happened so much so that they have started to fall off at the end of their years. They start out strong and then fall apart, and that's the issue. It's happened now every year under Jeff Capel. They start out strong, fade. You might want the opposite this year. If they start out, you know, shaky, but they start to really rise up as you kind of continue to watch and, more importantly, improve as the season goes on, that's a good sign for Cable. And that's the thing. I don't think he's coaching for his job this year. Again, he has a contract through 2027. You know, the buyout for him is insane, probably upwards of $20 million. It's not going to be easy if Pitt does want to move on after this year, if it gets really ugly. It, it could get very, very ugly. But Cape wants to right the ship. He knows that he's very, very, very thin in the backcourt. It's going to change what you can do. Femi Odukali is going to have to be an attacking guy. He's going to have to take the brunt of the offense on his shoulders. He's going to have to play at a high level. They're going to have to get contributions elsewhere from guys like Gaillet, Hughley, you know, guys off the bench. You know, Onyeze Kudu's going to have to give him really quality minutes. So is Nate Santos. This is going to be a team that's going to be shorthanded. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be pretty. They might lose this game against the Citadel. It would not be surprising. They might get actually boat raced by Press Virginia in Morgantown on Friday. That would not be surprising. 
but you hope to a degree that Pitt can show some grittiness, show that fight, show that heart that Cape teams have done in the past, but you hope they continue to improve as the season goes on. All right, folks. Tomorrow we will continue to talk a little bit about men's basketball. We'll see what happens here with the game against the Citadel. We'll talk about what happens, but we'll also make sure to talk about UNC diving to Sam Howell, how Pitt can stop him, and what Pitt can maybe do offensively to get a lot of success against that UNC defense. So a big packed episode on Wednesday. And folks, thank you for making Locked On Pitt your first listen every day, but I also want to make sure you make your second listen Locked On ACC. Get your daily ACC news and content with ACC expert Candice Cooper. It's free and available on all platforms. Check it out. It is great. All right, folks, as always, thanks for listening, and hail to Pitt.